Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to get into a little bit of biblical prophecy, see how much of it is actually coming true. But more importantly, let's take a look at the end of the book, if you will. Jeff Kinley is with me today here on The Bottom Line once again. Jeff's podcasts, The Prophecy Pros and uh, Vintage Truth, are heard and seen in more than 130 countries. You see him on his channel, TV, the Jeff Kinley Live program. And uh, he's the author of nearly 40 books, including the one we're going to discuss today, which is called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. I've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jeff Kinley, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. It's great to be back with you, Roger. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about Bible prophecy stuff coming true or just stuff that we can be looking for right now. Because, I mean, one of the things that you have been talking about in your ministry for many, many years, and we have benefited, I was going back through our archives, I think we, the Bottom Line Show has been on the air for 12 years, and for six of those years, you've been kind of one of our end times prophecy experts. So I appreciate the what you have shared with our listeners up to this point, and even uh, for the next hour or so as we have this conversation. Um where more and more people are looking around at the signs of the times, wanting to interpret them properly. And it all goes back to the fact that, you know, one of the quickest ways to clear a room is for the pastor to say, we're getting ready to start a Bible study in the book of Revelation, <laughs> you know, because either it's too terrifying for some people or the pastors just don't want to touch it. You give us a good overview in God's grand finale. Why this book right now? Well, I think one thing is that people are looking around the world and they're just asking the question, what is going on? Uh, the world is changing rapidly. Things are accelerating at unprecedented paces. And there's a lot of confusion right now. And I think even within the body of Christ, uh, within churches, people are just, th there's just this white noise that's out there. They don't know how to make sense of it all. And of course, the Bible does make sense of it. And so uh, it's something that right now, I think if a pastor were to announce he's going to preach on Revelation, he might actually fill the room because people <laughs> are are just so interested. And as I travel all around the country, what I'm finding are just packed houses, auditoriums of people that just want to know, what does my God tell me about the times in which I'm living? There are some characteristics that we see in the book of Revelation about God that many people, I think, will look at and say, oh, yeah, I, I know that. that. That makes a lot of sense. And others that are going to seem a little unfamiliar. How did you boil it down to 13? Are these the most salient ones? Or is there more? And we're going to get God's grand finale part two and three at some point. <laughs> yeah, well, as I went through Revelation, you know, most people look at Revelation. They say, well, it's a book about the future, which it certainly is about the tribulation, the second coming, all those things. But And that's one of the reasons why people avoid it, because they can't really wrap their mind around the apocalypse. But as it turns out, God's last book that he ever wrote wasn't just a book to give us a heads up on history, but it was a book to tell us about himself. If you think about it, Roger, this is God's last book. It's his final, the grand finale, we call it. And he wanted his church, uh, his bride, to know who he was. So I think those thir there's 13 attributes that I have sort of recognized as the 13 major attributes. And certainly, I think if you sifted a revelation out some more, you get some more out of there. But I think that those 13 really represent uh, a totality, if you will, of the character of God and who God is. And it's who he wants us to know he is in these last days. I love that aspect of God as Jeff Kinley is discussing it with us today here on The Bottom Line. His brand new book is called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, the the idea that it is the glory of God to make a, you know, a, a, a truth, a treasure truth hidden and, and give us the opportunity to find it. And I appreciate the fact that you've given us a treasure map, if you will, to look at uh, Revelation 13 and say, okay, this is who God is and this is who he wants us to know that he is. And and you start right 
right off the bat in Revelation chapter one, uh, talking about that God is the God who reveals. Talk about what that revelation, of course, obviously the title of that uh, chapter of scripture, but what, what does that really mean? What does it encompass? Well, two things. I mean, obviously the word revelation means to unveil. So it means to show or to demonstrate, to uncover, uh, which is sort of ironic in that most people think revelation is a hidden book or mm -hmm. a closed book or a book that can't be understood. When right. God says, well, I put the very title revelation to tell you that, yes, you can understand it. So that's one thing. Uh, but the second part, Roger, is just the fact that uh, God wants us to know who he is. In fact, Jesus said in, in John chapter 17, he said, this is eternal life that they may know you and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So really the essence of the Christian life is knowing God. And we get that from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, it's just that God puts this exclamation point on who he is in the book of Revelation. So had God not revealed himself to us through through creation, through nature, uh, through divine revelation, uh, through Christ himself, through the word of God, we wouldn't know very much about God. But thankfully, uh, Jesus incarnated the Father for us, and we know who God is through Christ, and we know who God is through what he tells us in his word. So that's what Revelation ends up doing for us. It just gives us this, this huge picture of God. And it's, it's kind of interesting, too, because Revelation is seen as a book, sort of more of an academic book, because it does detail with events about the end times. But it turns out it's a really deep devotional guide to God himself. And that's, I think, the surprise most people don't know about. You know, I, I was thinking as you were sharing that, Jeff, about what it's like to be in a situation where you are at an event or something like that. You're around people who have a certain level of notoriety. And then you realize that you have a relationship with the person who's running the event or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so while all these other people are, you know, jockeying for position and trying to get in there, they'll see there go, oh, Jeff, come on over here, sit at the best table, you know, that type of thing. And the feeling that we have there. And that's just a small glimpse. I mean, it doesn't even begin to compare to what you were describing, but it's the same type of process, isn't it? I mean, the fact that one yeah. of the, the beauties that we find in Revelation is that God really wants that we can have a relationship with him. He knows us, but we can know him that intimately as well. That's so true. I, I've been to places where uh, I've gone to concerts where I've known the band and, you know, someone will come out in the audience and say, hey, the, the band wants you to come backstage and hang out with them or whatever. Well, that's what God does with the book of Revelation. He says, hey, I'm going to part the curtain here. I want you to come backstage. I want to reveal to you uh, who I am. And you need to know who I am, particularly in these confusing times, because the times in which we live, I think, create, uh, they create ignorance, they create deception, they create misinformation, not only about what's going on in the world, but about God himself. So it's so neat that God just gave this clear word about his character and who he is to the church in the last days so that she could be ready for his return. Jeff Kinley is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. We've got a link for his website up at thebottomlineshow.com, as well as information on this brand new book called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days about the book of Revelation. And, and here we are, uh, Jeff, talking about the God who wants to know us and wants us to know him. And yet the very next principle that you uncover here is something you call the unfamiliar Jesus. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't know him necessarily, but why do you refer to him that way? Yeah, the, the Jesus that is portrayed in the book of Revelation is, is a starkly different portrayal uh, than the one who's really preached in most churches today, unfortunately. We, we typically think of Christ as the life of Christ. He's walking around in sandals. He's blessing people, turning water into wine, having kids in his lap. And certainly he did all those things. He was meek and mild in, in that sense. But the Revelation Jesus is one who is now not only risen from the dead, 
but he's exalted. He's glorified. Mm. He's at the right hand of the father. And so in, in chapter one of revelation, revelation begins. And this is really the key to understanding the book of revelation is to first see the risen Christ, see the glorified Christ. And so, so John is given this revelation vision that begins with this Christ who has eyes of blazing fire, hair white as wool, his feet are burnished as mm. bronze. He's wearing this girdle, this judgment girdle, this robe of righteousness and that type of thing. And when John encounters this Christ, uh, instead of walking with him on the road to Emmaus, it says he falls to his feet, uh, to Jesus' feet as a dead man. Uh, essentially, John's central nervous system just shuts down <laughs> and he loses all sense of who he is. And he, he's like, I'm just, a, I go unconscious in the presence of this Christ. And that's an encounter that, you know, people don't have of Christ today. There's not this reverential awe, this sense that I'm in the presence of Almighty God himself. And so we tend to think of Jesus more for, as our buddy uh, rather than as our sovereign Lord. And so, so, so that's how the whole book begins. And of course, Christ reaches out his hand and says, hey, fear not, it's me. Uh, I was dead. I'm alive. Uh, John, everything's okay. Now, let me give you the rest of this vision. So uh, I think that's really the key to Revelation is that the church today needs to see who God is. And once we see who he is, we understand who we are even better. I love that. Uh, God, Jeff Kinley is the author of the book, God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Jeff Kinley is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. If you're listening on terrestrial radio or the podcast or watching us at myhopenow.com, Jeff is very camera ready with the work he does with his channel and, of course, with his podcast as well. Jeff, what's it been like for you in your ministry? We're talking about his new book, God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. You've been doing this for a while, but I would imagine over the past couple of years, things have really started to pick up in terms of people coming to your website, watching the, his channel uh, video that you do. Is it every week or a couple times a week that you're on his channel.com? Yeah, it's every week uh, with Jeff Kinley live, a show just on Bible prophecy, the prophecy pros that I do a show with Todd Hampson that, uh, right. and both those ministries have just exploded over the past several yeah. years uh, to the point where I'm traveling more than I ever have before writing more books uh, going places, meeting believers. And, and Roger, the great news about that is what we're seeing is we're seeing a remnant in the body of Christ really rise up and say, Hey, I want I truth. It. I want to know what the world, the word says about the world. And so we're just trying to meet that supply and demand as, as much as we can. Well, I appreciate the work that you're doing. I know we had a chance to connect at the uh, Religious Broadcasters Convention mm -hmm. in Nashville a year or so ago. And since then, you've put out a couple of books and you're just running circles around those of us who just talk for a living. So thank you for the work <laughs> that you're doing. Hey, this new book, God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in God's and Earth's Last Days, uh, focuses on the book of Revelation. And you have a couple of chapters in this book that are dedicated to the seven churches that are outlined. You call this yeah. the segment where the God who reproves. What can we learn about those churches uh, that you know that are written about from the then and how do they apply to us as believers right now yeah that's a great question i think one strong lesson we can pick up from the churches in revelation 2 and 3 is that keep in mind this is about two generations past 
the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the church was founded uh, in about 33 AD. By 95 AD, many of these churches no longer rec were recognizable. Uh, mm. It's kind of like meeting someone from your high school reunion and you're looking at their name tag going, is that really you? Because <laughs> you don't look anything <laughs> like you used to look, you know? And, yeah, yeah. And, and that's the way it was with the church. I mean, there were at least five of these churches that that were so unrecognizable. And, and the way that they had changed was over time, they had drifted doctrinally, uh, they had uh, decayed morally, uh, they had lost their first love, uh, they were allowing worldly philosophies and teaching in the church, even sinful practices. And so Christ basically came into those churches and said, look, uh, you have got to get your act together so that you and I can have a real relationship again. In fact, with one of the churches, uh, Laodicea, Jesus is portrayed as being outside the church door and knocking on the door mm, of his own mm -hmm. church saying, can I even come in my own church now? And as you look around the church today, the, the world of churches today, certainly that's still true. There are churches that are doctrinally deviant, that are embracing all types of immoral philosophies and, and beliefs and truths out there and doctrines or supposed truths. There are churches that are no longer preaching the Bible. They're preaching uh, self-help sermons. Uh, there are churches that are that have so decayed morally as well. They've invited uh, immoral practices in the church. So there's a lot of similarities and uh, churches that are just kind of there. You know, there's mm -hmm. no, they're not really mm -hmm. doing anything for the kingdom. Uh, there's no fire in the pulpit. There's nothing really going on. And is it any wonder that today there are less people attending church in America than at any point in our our history uh, per capita. And I think that's largely due to the fact that we're not really giving them the solid truth of the word. Uh, we're just doing entertainment shows on Sunday morning. So uh, that's what's going on in the churches in Revelation. Jesus says, you have a, a name for your church for one of them that says you're alive. It's like you're called Life Church or whatever, mm. but you're not even alive. You're a dead church. So uh, there's some direct parallels I think we can draw, not only from a church standpoint, church to church, but also personally for our own lives as well from these churches. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's a great reminder, the fact that we see all throughout Scripture that God disciplines those He loves. Correction is, you know, it, it's a it's a part of who we are. And we experience the mercy of God when we're at His at yeah. His throne, you know, at the altar, and, and just basically saying, look, forgive me of my sins. But at the same time, that causes us to want to change, to repent from the sins, to move on, and to see a whole church needing this kind of reproving is it's very telling of the times that we're living in and maybe one more indication that we are living in those end times that we've been reading about for all of our lives. Uh, Jeff Kinley with me today here on The Bottom Line, his book, God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days is up at thebottomlineshow.com. And as you can imagine, nothing but five-star reviews online as well. Let's talk about the, the the worthiness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, we, we talk often about, you know, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Of course, we read in Scripture. But we look at the the praise songs that people are singing these days, and there's kind of been a change in the church culture to where we've kind of moved away from authoring worth, you know, our worship and praise to God, and it's more about this is how I feel about it, you know, as opposed to this is who you are. Talk about why Revelation teaches us that God really is worthy to be praised, and uh, you've got a chapter titled "The Lion, the Lamb, and the Little Book." Talk about that mm -hmm. if you would. Yeah, well, there's about 12 different uh, what we call doxological passages in Revelation. In other words, passages that they're just worship ceremonies, essentially. Mm. And in the book of Revelation, we have one in the chapter five where uh, there's this scroll brought that essentially represents the deed, the title deed to the earth, uh, which in essence is saying this is who's going to rule everything. 
And uh, John looks around in heaven and nobody is found who's worthy enough uh, to break open the scroll. And of course, John begins to weep, uh, you know, horribly because he understands that if someone doesn't come and break this scroll and take ownership of humanity and the earth and history and the future, then Satan's going to continue to rule. Sin's going to continue to reign on this earth. And all of a sudden, uh, someone touches him and says, hey, don't weep. The lion from the tribe of Judah is worthy to break this scroll. And to me, it's one of the most heroic moments in all of the Bible that we get to see Jesus, this great hero, uh, coming in and taking that scroll from the Father's hand and breaking open that scroll. And it calls him the Lamb who is worthy. And I, and I told the group last night at a local Bible study I teach, Roger, I said, you know, we have only begun in our the totality of our Christian lives, we've only begun to just scratch the surface about what it means to truly ascribe honor and glory and power and, and, and majesty to our great God. And, and so that's one of the things that Revelation does. It helps us have what I call elevator thoughts. It takes our thoughts and mm -hmm. exalts God with them so where we can kind of see things and see God in a way we never have before. And the residual effect from that is we start worshiping him at a level we've never worshiped him before. So that's just one little snippet out of what we get when we really dive headfirst into the book of Revelation. You know, as we're talking about this uh, issue of God's grand finale with Jeff Kinley today here on the bottom line, the wrath, grace, and glory in Earth's last days. Uh, you mentioned the you know the the worthiness of God to be worshipped, and I was thinking there's you've got another chapter where you talk about God's sovereignty. And as I was flipping through it, I, it occurred to me I'm 62 years old. I've heard one sermon in the pulpit, and it happened recently, about a year ago, about the throne room. I mean, mm. everything else that I mean it's kind of mystical mysteries, wow. you know, that just kind of stays out. And I realize I'm a California guy, so maybe that, you know, that doesn't fall into the four points in a poem or five tips for a happy marriage, <laughs> you know, that you see so often in West Coast churches. Yeah. And, yeah. But it's nice to see even that type of pseudo-theology going away, you know, and it said, hey, let's preach about sin, let's preach about judgment, let's preach about God's sovereignty. Talk about what we can glean from Revelation for those who are kind of in my situation saying, I haven't heard a lot of teaching on this, I haven't done a lot of study on this. I, You've got a chapter that I think kind of points us in the direction where we need to be. Yeah, well, there's several things about that that are, I think, truly amazing from the book. The, the first is, is this, is that God designed us as people and as worshipers to engage our minds with him, to engage the truth about who he is and what he has done, what he's going to do. And for that truth, then to filter down into our wills, our choices, and then eventually into our emotions. What we do today is we flip that model and we say, let's begin with emotion, no truth, just emotion. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, then the truth has to, in essence, be the caboose of the train and get behind whatever emotions that you want to, to drive the train with. But God says, it's just the opposite. I want to tell you who I am. And as a, as a result of knowing who I am, you're going to be impacted in certain ways. And that's what we find in Revelation chapter four. So Jesus has just rebuked the churches. He tells them to get ready because he wants to have a relationship with them again. The very next verse says, Jesus looks at John and says, come up here. And so John essentially is raptured up into heaven. Mm. And it says the first thing he sees is, is not angels, not the beauty of heaven, uh, not other people. It says he sees a throne. And 13 times in 11 verses, the word throne is mentioned. And it just speaks of God's great uh, overarching rule and authority and sovereignty over all that there is. And you say, well, why did, why did God do that? And why did he do it then? 
Well, when you start reading in chapter six about the judgments that are going to come, chapter six through 19 entails a time of horrific apocalyptic judgments on humanity. It's a horrible time to be alive. God knew that John first needed to know that while all that chaos is going on, everything is okay in heaven, that heaven mm -hmm. never dials 911, mm -hmm. that there's never an emergency session that heaven meets in uh, up there because God has it all under control. And, and Roger, there's a direct application, I think, for our lives as well. As we look at the chaos, the confusion, uh, the, the insurrection, uh, where things are going in our own world, there's a tendency to wonder who's driving the bus, you know, who's in <laughs> right, charge of this right. thing, you know, and, yeah. and yet God is in heaven saying, look, I have a throne here. And if there's a throne in heaven, then everything is under control. And as someone once uh, beautifully said, uh, God's sovereignty is my serenity. And mm. so that kind of calms Beautiful. us, you know, in mm -hmm. our lives to know that he's in charge and we need that now and we need it knowing what's going to happen in the world, in the world's coming. Boy, that is for sure. And Jeff Kinley is encouraging us and exhorting us uh, simultaneously with the work that he has done for this new book called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace and Glory in Earth's Last Days. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the new world. We're going to talk about the king finally returning, but we're also going to talk about a last great awakening. All, did that whet your appetite? Okay, stay with us through the break. More of this conversation in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Call personal injury attorney Stephanie Cover of Cover Law first after an accident. Friends or family might tell you to get in touch with the insurance company for the party at fault first, but this is wrong. Stephanie knows countless myths that surround personal injury law, and she will help you separate fact from fiction. Stephanie worked directly for insurance companies for decades, and she knows how to navigate the process. You may wonder if your injury is too minor to warrant an attorney representing you. Stephanie can help you figure that part out with a free call, and she will tell you honestly if she thinks it's worth pursuing. Sometimes injured people are concerned about going to trial, but Stephanie prides herself on her ability to stay out of a courtroom because it typically means that she can maximize the amount you will actually receive. Don't make these decisions on your own. Contact Stephanie Cover at kbrightradio.com slash cover. That's C-O-V-E-R. Well, welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. A great topic of conversation today. Our good friend Jeff Kinley is with me. We're talking about his latest, God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in God's Last Days. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Of course, Jeff Kinley uh, has a master's degree from Dallas Theological Seminary. He's the author of more than 40 books. And he equips Christians to discern the times. His podcasts, the Prophecy Pros podcast, and also Vintage Truth, are uh, heard in more than 130 countries. Jeff Kinley Live is a TV program uh, that airs on his channel, hischannel.com. And uh, I, I met Jeff um, a couple of years ago. Actually, he's been on the Bottom Line Show for many, many years. But Jeff and I actually had the privilege of, uh, for a season uh, back in 2022, um, I was hosting the national headlines every Tuesday and Thursday on his channel. And Jeff was on shortly after my program. I was just doing a 15-minute newscast uh, doing his uh, End Times Prophecy thing. So this, this book, God's Grand Finale, is one of those things where people have been... People have been looking at the upcoming elections and saying, well, if you don't vote a certain way, then it's going to be the end of America. And what happens if it's the end of America? Well, that's a really good question. What happens if it is the end of America? You know, is that part of God's grand, larger plan? You know, the temporal things will definitely fade away. No question about that. Uh, we have not one, not two, but three copies of this great Jeff Kinley book to give away here on Everyone Wednesday. 800-227-5278. 
800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, Jeff Kinley from the Prophecy Pros podcast. Uh, the outstanding book is called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. I believe Crystal is back at the saddle. Teresa Wood and Joel were holding down the fort for her yesterday. May have been a weather-related thing. Hey, you know, but that I, I, before we take a break and then get back into the part two of this hour-long conversation with Jeff Kinley, I can't stress enough. There are a lot of people who have been for years saying, well, you know, I'm a Christian who's, we just want God to come in. We're going to hang out at the commune and we're just going to wait. And we're not called to do that. We are definitely called to occupy until the Lord returns. At the same time, though, there are a lot of Christians, I think you would agree, who have gotten so comfortable with the idea of the Western American way of life that when you bring in the idea that the end may be near, they go, well, wait, I'm not done yet. I'm really not done. I remember being, I was working for a Christian radio station here in Southern California, KYMS, the late great, 106.3 FM. And I'd been there about seven years and my season had ended. I'd literally done every job I could possibly do there. I'd been the overnight DJ. I'd been I'd been full-time at every day part and shift. I was the news guy, production director. Uh, I worked in sales. I was the general manager. I mean, I, I had a just a great run. People asked me, you know, where'd you do your master's? I said, I did it at interstate broadcasting. But when it was time to go, God had something better for me. And the thing, the situation at the station had gotten so just kind of odd. It was, it, you could tell it wasn't going to keep on going. And I remember that day, it was September 30th of 1992, when the then general manager of the station called me into his office and told me that the owner didn't want me there anymore. And I was crushed. But I had a couple of other commitments that were going to take me through the weekend, so I couldn't just leave in that moment. I had to come back Thursday and then Friday and then Saturday. So Thursday night, I was back at the studio and I was writing a, a memo to the staff saying that announcing it today being my last day. And I said, God, I'm not ready to go. And he just said to me two words, it's time. And what happened in the next year and change was just mostly remarkable, incredible, good things that happened. But I was getting in the way. Ever since then, I've kind of kept one eye on heaven saying, God, what are you going to do next? And I believe that he's coming sooner than we thought. But when? And what do those end times prophecies look like? More of my conversation with Jeff Kinley in just a moment as the bottom line continue. For more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trust. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain. So what is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate-backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out. So you can see it's definitely not a REIT. Or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account. And then while you're on the phone and ask about our accounts that are pays even higher amounts for funds over 250000 Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, simply better alternatives. 
Jeff Kinley is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Jeff is the author of nearly 40 books on Bible prophecy, end times, and the like. Uh, he has the host of the Prophecy Pros podcast and also Vintage Truth. He's heard in more than 130 countries, not counting his work on the His Channel TV show, Jeff Kinley Live, which happens once a week and is devoted to Bible prophecy. And uh, Jeff has uh, found a home in Arkansas. You still got guys still headquartered there? Absolutely. Yeah, right good good for you. Yeah. And if, no plans on getting well because why not you you knew this was happening before everybody else did you know no one wants to live in new york city or la anymore it's like go to little rock that's a better place to be his most recent book is called god's grand finale wrath grace and glory in earth's last days it's a study of the book of revelation and it focuses on focuses on 13 characteristics of god that are in the book of revelation uniquely and uh, we're taking kind of a tour of those uh, 13 characteristics today here on the bottom line show uh jeff during the break you and i were talking about the fact that one of the things that's a bit of a paradox for a lot of believers and maybe even unbelievers too not wondering you know how this could possibly happen but god is a god of wrath he's also a god of grace and especially we see this in revelation they're kind of right side by side with each other talk about how we'll experience the wrath of god here on earth but we will also experience the great graciousness of God about the same time. Yeah, it's one of the beautiful things about God is that even during a time when he unleashes really some of his worst end times wrath, worst apocalyptic wrath that's ever been on the planet. In fact, nothing quite compares to it except maybe the days of Noah and the flood judgment. Mm -hmm. uh, but but when God uh, unleashes his fury and his anger on unrepentant center, sinners mm. uh, during the tribulation period, there's going to be uh, a time of, of unprecedented um, just suffering on the planet. And, uh, and they're all going to know that it's from God. In fact, at the end of chapter six of Revelation, it says that, uh, that everybody from the kings down to the peasants and the slaves, they all cry out and say, hide us from the wrath of him who sits on the throne and from the lamb. So yeah. I like to say that during the tribulation, there won't be a single atheist walking the planet. <laughs> yes. Every single atheist will have at least admitted the fact that there is a God, because that's where these judgments are coming from. Mm -hmm. But what's really interesting is that during the time where uh, this these judgments are being poured out on the earth, at the very beginning of the tribulation period, we see a great revival taking place. Now, these are the people, Roger, that have been left behind, I believe, at the rapture. Mm -hmm. uh, these people who have said no to Christ all their life, the rapture occurred, all of a sudden now here comes these judgments from God. And perhaps even in the moments after the rapture occurs, some of these people will start repenting and giving their lives to Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, but it says in John chapter, or excuse me, Revelation chapter seven, that John sees a multitude that is so great. He says, I just lost count of them. There's just so many hmm. people. And, and he says that they're, they're myriads of myriads, which is a word he uses in the Greek language that uh, it's the word, uh, the num number rather is 10,000, which is the highest number that John could call upon. It'd be like us saying it's gazillion times a gazillion, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and he sees this vast multitude of new believers that have come out of the trip that come out of the tribulation. And of course, chapter six tells us that, that many of them will lose their lives because the whole world's going to turn on anyone that represents the God that's bringing these judgments. And so they're going to be killed. Many of them are. Uh, but at the same time, there's a great last day's revival. And, and so what that really tells us is this, is that even in the last moments, as the storm clouds are gathering, using the, the, the imagery of the days of Noah, the clouds are gathering, they're getting dark. It's about to thunder and lightning and bring this deluge. It's going to destroy everything on the planet. Even then, God says, the door's still open. 
The door to the ark is still open. So come, come now. Uh, don't wait until the later on the tribulation where no one's going to come to Christ. You need to come to Christ right now. And many do. And so those are going to be our brothers and sisters in heaven. Uh, yes. They'll be baby believers, as, as we've said, but they'll be strong believers because they know that to make a commitment to Christ in that day uh, means that it's it's got to be real. And so many of them, as I said, will go to their deaths because of it. Jeff Kinley, uh, encouraging us, but also exhorting us today with good news from the book of Revelation here on the Bottom Line Show. The book he's written is about, about this whole issue. It's called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, God, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, you have a chapter in the book, which I, I love. It's very provocative. The Lord's Prayer Answered. And you talk about a passage in Revelation chapter 20, where we see that the God who reigns, and when you think about, now I went back, but wait a minute, that our Father who art now, I'm kind of reframing my mind saying, wait a minute, what, what do you mean the Lord's Prayer answered? Talk about what you mean by that, because I've always thought of the Lord's Prayer as kind of a, a template for us as Christ followers to, to use when we petition heaven, but you're talking about the fulfillment of this. Absolutely. You know, Jesus came the first time. Uh, he came to his Jewish people, and he came to be their Messiah, uh, because back in 2 Samuel, God had promised David that there would be uh, a, a someone to reign on his throne for forever, uh, eventually. And so Christ comes, offers himself as the Messiah. They reject him, and so they forfeit having him come and be King Jesus for them on the earth. Mm. So he taught them, he said, but I want you to pray for the future kingdom that's going to come. And so every time you say, our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's referring to Christ's millennial kingdom ah. that we see all throughout the Old Testament, but we don't know how long it's going to be until we get to the book of Revelation chapter 20, where six times in seven verses, it says it's a thousand years. It's a thousand years. And so Christ is going to come back. He's going to reign on the earth. It's going to be a time of, of true justice of true equality, of, of true righteousness on the earth. And uh, that'll be a time when it says the lion will lay down with the lamb. It says in Isaiah that the yes. child will put his hand in the cobra's nest and won't get bit. Uh, there'll be harmony in the animal kingdom uh, among people as well. And it'll just be a great time where we'll be able to really enjoy Christ and one another and the earth uh, in a way that we've never had before. So it, it's a great hope and a great future. How do we start living like that right now, Jeff Kinley? And I ask that most sincerely because the pressures of everyday life, the day in, the day out, I mean, obviously it, it's really easy for us here in 2023 to say, I'm glad that this is recorded in Revelation. I'm glad John saw these visions 2000 years ago. And I don't want to, you know, no one knows the day or the hour of the Lord's return, but how do we start, you know, living with this kind of anticipation, what you're talking about right now? I mean, what, what are some things that we could be practically doing short of just running around saying the sky is falling, but Jesus is coming back? I mean, which is right. kind of where we fall in that category a little too quickly. Yeah. Well, I think it begins with anticipation. In fact, all throughout the New Testament, uh, you see dozens and dozens of verses where that church believed that Jesus could come back at any time. So yeah. there was a sense of expectation, of, of hope, of anxiously awaiting. All those words are used uh, to describe his return at the rapture. You know, I hear people today, we're, we're about to take a trip, uh, lead a trip to Israel. Awesome. And uh, someone told me today, they said, look, I can't wait because I'm marking the date. I can't wait till it happens. There needs to be that sort of looking forward to. Uh, and as we think about the millennial kingdoms, we think about our future home in heaven, there, there should be a sense of, of longing for that. You know, Paul said in Philippians uh, 3.20, he said, 
Our citizenship is in heaven from which we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is a sense in which, you know, we're down here now, uh, but this is not our final home. And so we right. do long for that home. So that's one thing. The second thing is, is to do all the good that we can for God with the time that we've been given. So we're all sort of on a, on a time clock, you know, whether it be for our lifespan or whether it be for the time when the rapture occurs, we don't know if we've got five days or, or 50 years, right. uh, but we, we do know that we're all under a stewardship of time. And I think part of the wisdom of living uh, with Christ is just thinking, God, how can I uh, most, most wisely apply the gifts, the talents, the time, the energy, the relationships that you've given to me to help leverage those things for the kingdom of God. So to be about the Lord's work, obviously to continue to get to know him while you're here. But I, I think about what Paul wrote to the Corinthians when he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, uh, therefore, my beloved brethren, uh, be always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And he said those words right after telling us about the rapture event. So, so basically what Paul is saying is get busy for God, because whatever you do for him is going to count. Mm -hmm. And that you talk about making your life count for something, making it count for the kingdom of God is the greatest investment we could ever do. And we, we do that every time we, we parent our children, every time we work to the glory of God, every time we share the gospel and every time we live uh, worthy lives of integrity before a watching world. Well, that's great. And a great admonition from Jeff Kinley today here on The Bottom Line. His brand new book is called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, we hear about how God's a God who forgives, a God who shows mercy, a God who's gracious and kind and compassionate. But there will come a day when, as Jeff writes in his book, God's Grand Finale, uh, the court will have no more appeals. It, it'll be a final judgment. Let's get into that on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues. Jeff Kinley is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Barsh. His brand new book is called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. And there's a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jeff, in the book, you, you've identified 13 different revelations about God that we only find here in the book of Revelation. And I, I, I'm grateful that you have kind of... Uh, combed these uh, uh, these passages for us to come up with what you've discovered. Um, we know that God is going to show himself to be faithful, but with, with the king is returning, of course, Jesus Christ. And then you talk about the court of no appeals that we read about in Revelation chapter 20. For all the times that people have you know, said, I'm so glad God gave me a second chance. I'm so glad I could repent of my sin and turn away and come back and come back and there's going to come a point where basically that book is closed. Talk about what that, uh, what the God who recompenses, as you write about, is all about. Yeah, well, according to Revelation's narrative, at the end of Christ's thousand-year reign upon the earth, there's going to come a time that's known as the Great White Throne Judgment. I read about that in Revelation chapter 20. Uh, at that time, everyone who has been uh, in hell, essentially, is going to be brought out to uh, God's great courtroom. And individually, the Bible says that they're going to be judged uh, for, for what they did in their life and for their rejection of Christ. It says that the book of life is open mm -hmm. and other books are open, which many believe that, that those really contain all of the sins that those people have committed. Mm. But either way, uh, they're standing before God. Uh, and what's what's really horrifying about that scene is that there's no defense attorney for those people. Right. Uh, they've been in hell because they actively uh, chose to reject Christ. Uh, they said no, and God gave them exactly what they wanted. But now God says it's time for you to, to be sentenced to your final judgment. So after the books are read, 
the gavel is is laid down on on God's bench and they're sent off into the lake of fire where they will spend forever and ever and ever. Uh, the Bible says in Revelation 14, the smoke of their torment rises forever. Mm. And so uh, it's a court of no appeals. Now, here's the good news is that right now there is an attorney standing by. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And he is the one who has atoned for our sins. And scripture says he is our great advocate with the father. And uh, let me tell you something. Jesus never loses a case. Uh, he, <laughs> goes, yes. he goes before the father for you. You're going to be forgiven and you're right. going to be ushered into God's presence. So that's the good news. And so rather than to be on that day, to be resurrected out of hell before God's throne, to be judged forever, uh, why not have your sins forgiven right now and settle that court issue, settle out of court right now, uh, Mm -hmm. not for anything you pay, but for what he, the attorney himself uh, will pay for your sins and has already paid for your sins at the cross. And so uh, again, while God uh, is showing us that scene in the very next scene, he shows us what those of us who have been forgiven get in eternity, which is heaven, a new heaven mm. and a new earth. Mm-hmm. And that recreation is so beautiful. It's interesting, Jeff, as you were sharing about this court of no appeals, as you call it in the book, God's Grand Finale. I was thinking back to earlier in our conversation, we were talking about the God who reveals himself to us, who not only wants to know us and does know us, but also wants us to know him. And we kind of talked about that red carpet, or red velvet rope you know, treatment where you know mm-hmm. somebody in the band and they let you backstage and you get mm-hmm. to go meet the important people. And the idea that we can stand before our judge and know that our advocate, Jesus Christ, is there. And all of a sudden, it changes God's countenance because he, he looks at us and sees him. And, and so right. then uh, we've, we've received that gift, not because of anything that we did, but because of who Jesus is and what he did for us. And, 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 and that having that kind of access, and I, I can almost hear you know, the, the cries, the wails of the people who reject that, but then the relief of the people who have received it, you know, that, that good news and the fact that there still is time for people to respond to the prompting of the Holy spirit, to receive the gift of salvation, uh, which enables the, which is given to us by the gift of faith. And, and what a, uh, now that new heaven and new earth is going to be so glorious and so wonderful. Um, the offer of a lifetime is how the book of revelation ends. Oftentimes we focus on the, you know, the amen and the amen and, you know, that, that the end of the, the close the book and it's all done. But you talk about the God who calls is still calling us right now. Talk, take the final moments of our time together and, and expand upon that, if you would. Yeah, Revelation ends with really good news. And basically, God is saying, you don't have to suffer through this. You don't have to suffer through the tribulation. You don't have to suffer through uh, the great white throne judgment. Uh, all you need to do is to simply come come to the one who died for you. It says that let the spirit and the bride say, come. And Jesus issues a really a call of urgency there. He says, look, I'm coming quickly. I'm coming back to render according to every man, according to his deeds. So, so make right, get your accounts in order uh, with your creator, uh, with your God, and make sure that your sins have been forgiven. But Roger, I think that is a, a great way for God to end his great grand finale book is, yeah. is simply to give an offer. And it is the offer of a lifetime. No one will ever love us like Christ loves us. Amen. No one will ever be able to die for us and pay the price that he paid. Uh, nobody will ever be the friend that Christ is to us. No one will ever be the advocate, the counselor, uh, the, the redeemer that Christ is to us. And that's how Revelation begins, telling us how great he is on our behalf. And it ends by inviting us to participate yes. in that. 
And, and I guess I would just finally say that when you do come to Christ, you, you enter into a relationship uh, for which you were originally made. You end up finding out who you really are and who you're really meant to be. And it, it really embarks you upon a great adventure in life, a life of faith, a life of love, a life of enjoying the God who made you. And then finally, you get to spend eternity not only with him, but with all the other saints who have all mm. been per perfected as well in a place that cannot even be described with human words. So only hope and, and great happiness await those who know Jesus Christ. What a powerful altar call from Jeff Kinley today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jeff, in our final moments, I, I'm looking at this and seeing 13 lessons, which sounds like a great sermon series or a Bible study. Is there additional curriculum that you're encouraging pastors and Bible study leaders to get and use this resource in that way? You know, I wrote the book specifically so that each pastor or small group leader could simply study the chapter for themselves and then just develop their own questions for study. Uh, I didn't want to pre do prescriptive words for them. I wanted them to be able to really extract what would be meaningful for their group or their church. So each chapter really does lend itself to a, a study. The blueprint is there. Go ahead and build upon this and, and use this example and, uh, and and know that you're in very, very good hands with a guy who is a, a very gifted, a, a skilled communicator and who shares this freely with people in the body of Christ and outside of the body of Christ as well, Jeff Kinley. Jeff Kinley, thank you so much for your time today. The book, again, is called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jeff Kinley, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you, Roger. Boy, I'm excited. I hope you're encouraged as well. Jeff Kinley has been my guest today here on The Bottom Line, and we've been talking about the end of the world. Simply put, the book is God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have not one, not two, but three copies of this book that we're giving away today, along with that outstanding book by Dr. Michael Youssef. I think we might have a couple copies left of uh, How to Read the Bible Like Your Life Depends on It. So between Jeff Kinley and Michael Youssef, we are going to be focusing on Scripture and what God says about the end times. Get excited. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Jeff Kinley's book is uh, what uh, many reviewers are calling a God-centered overview of the book of Revelation. And, you know, Jeff just kind of scratched the surface in our conversation here during the past hour. I encourage you, I love Jeff's ministry and the fact that he focuses on not only the fact that, you know, so oftentimes we get focused on the end of days and what are those specific events look like, but Jeff always draws us back to where is God in all this? What is God doing here? What, what, what should this look like for us as Christians? I mean, after all, it is kind of strange <laughs> to, to think about where we live and how God is gracious enough to expand our minds to begin to see eternity. And when that happens, there's no turning back. Um, 800-227-5278, not one, not two, but three copies of Jeff Kinley's outstanding new book, God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. And I should point out, Jeff is a rather prolific author, and especially during these strategic times that we're living in. And uh, on coming up next month, I think it is, he's got another new book coming out. And we are eagerly anticipating that one as well. Jeff, of course, will be back on here. And yeah, I'm piling it on pretty heavy <laughs> with men and women who are looking at the end times. I think there's a reason for that. I'm going to talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues.
Bottom line show listeners have been so supportive of Preborn and I appreciate you. And I know that Preborn does as well. Preborn is the pregnancy resource center that offers women uh, options and offers women the truth when it comes to an unexpected or unplanned pregnancy. Now, if you were expecting pregnancy and you want to get a free ultrasound, you can go to a preborn clinic as well. It's very easy to do. And every time we donate $28 to the cause, that provides one free ultrasound appointment for someone who may or may not have the means to handle this. Now, Terry in Cathedral City recently called in a $1,000 donation. Thank you so much, Terry, for, uh, for giving us that call, especially out of the Coachella Valley. Also, Dennis in Los Angeles called in a $28 donation. Thank you, Dennis, for that $28. And also, I want to say thanks to Diane in San Diego, a $500 donation. Every $28 you provide means one more ultrasound visit for a woman who may be deciding between whether or not to keep the pregnancy or to keep the child. We are pro-child. 85% of the women who go to preborn and see the ultrasound choose life for their preborn child. And you can give a tax-deductible donation online today to support that cause. Go to kbrightradio.com and look for the preborn banner. Click the banner and make your best donation today. My thanks again to Jeff Kinley, one of the prophecy pros and uh, the host of the Jeff Kinley Live television program that airs on his channel TV every uh, week, once a week, and uh, re-airs during the week as well. His latest book is called God's Grand Finale. It's his uh, more of a God-centered view of the book of Revelation. Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through here on this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. We have not one, not two, but three copies of the book we're giving away today. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now, I, I mentioned, by the way, we've got three copies of this book, but we also have a couple of copies of Dr. Michael Youssef's book, How to Read the Bible Like Your Life Depends on It. And... Um, Nowadays, I get the sense that more and more people are reading the Bible like their life depends on it. So if you don't win one of Jeff Kinley's books, be sure to ask Crystal or Teresa, Joel, whoever answers the phone, um, about a copy of Michael Youssef's book on reading the Bible like your life depends on it. And they will be kind of like ordering off the menu. I mean, I mention it, so go ahead and ask anyway, and it's just between us, okay? Um, I mentioned before the break something I wanted to share that's kind of a, a new revelation for your, yours truly. And that is something I, I mean, I'm 62 years old. I grew up going to church. My dad was always the choir director or the minister of music wherever we went to church. And it, I, I made a profession of faith first in the third grade when I got recited the 23rd Psalm and got my new revised standard version of the Bible in blue imitation leather. It looked really cool. And then there was the sixth grade profession of faith at uh, Lake Hills Community Church. As a matter of fact, a couple of my Lake Hills friends are going to be joining me on Monday. And if you if you have any history with that church in Southern California, you want to tune in for a special Movie Monday edition of The Bottom Line coming up on the 12th. But then by the time I got out of high school, I realized that my faith was an American faith. It was a Christian Western faith. It was a, I don't do drugs and I didn't get my girlfriend pregnant and I'm, I don't swear too much. And, you know, I'm pretty much a good kid. So I'm a Christian. And when I went to college, went to community college for a year, I realized without the ritual of Sunday school and Wednesday night Bible study, I just went to church on Sunday morning, you know, went to one service instead of two, which was a real revelation for a, a, a you know, a church staff member's kid. All of a sudden I was like, wait, what does my faith mean? What is it all about? And it was the first kind of big awakening. I tried on the world for a little bit, tried the party scene, didn't really do a very good job of it. Eventually, by around the 1st of May of uh, that next year, I realized that I was pretty much done. 
I mean, my faith was very carnal. And by the end of the summer, God led me to faith. And I'm grateful that he did because then there were all sorts of other, well, this is it, this is it, I'm getting there, I'm getting it. But every decade, it seems like there's a new revelation. And it's where God's kindness, Romans 2, 4, leads me to repentance of what I had built up as my version of what the sanctified life looked like. And all the while, God has to keep going through and knocking the chisel out there and getting some of the, the, the scabs off, some of the scar tissue. And I'm so grateful that he did and that he has and that he continues to do so. The biggest revelation for me in my 60s now is the anticipation of the Lord's return and talking with some friends the other day about my heart surgery and how we almost didn't have this moment to be together and realizing that for the past six years, it'll be six years on uh, March the 12th, how revolutionary and revolutionary it's been for me to finally begin to stop seeing heaven through my American eyes and start seeing it through my biblical eyes. And it doesn't mean I hate our country. I love our country. Doesn't mean I hate the leadership. Well, I'm not really fond of the leadership. But every year I get less and less disappointed in the results of the election and more and more focused on, yes, I want to read upon the issues. Yes, I want to be able to have good conversations about that with people. Yes, I want to find some common ground where we can kind of reach out the olive branch and say, is there a place where believers and unbelievers can at least have conversation? But more and more, I find myself saying, I vote, I voted for Jesus and not to be president, but to be my Lord and Savior. And I can't wait for his return because it is real. I am going to spend eternity with him. And everyone who professes faith in Christ and believes in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and that his blood pays the penalty for our sin will be saved. And that's the most important thing. And so if you hear me harping on books like Jeff Kinley's book about Revelation a lot this year, that's why. And I hope you'll catch that enthusiasm and that excitement. That's the bottom line on that. Uh, for our KCBC audience, Rabbi Schneider awaits you. For those who remain on the network, tomorrow was a rather auspicious anniversary, speaking of revivals. And um, I, I, I want to take a, a gander, if you will, do a little analysis, balance, and clarity about what happened to the big revivals of 2023. Did they really bear the fruit that we hoped that they would and that they could? We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Love hearing the phone ringing for Jeff Kinley's outstanding book on the book of Revelation. Uh, he discussed it with us during the past hour. It's called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Not one, not two, but three copies of the book we're giving away today at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, we need revival in this culture, and we need it now more than ever before. I came across a story not too long ago about um, something that is uh, kind of end times related. I don't know if you heard about this, but our KLDC listeners may have because this took place in, uh, in Colorado. The Colorado Attorney General's office has announced that they have uh, an arrest, basically, and some civil fraud charges involving a guy who had an online ministry and was doing that whole end times thing and let's get into cryptocurrency and let's get ready for, you know, the, the end of the world as we know it type of thing. But uh, a man uh, by the name of, well, let's see, Eligio uh, Regalado, uh, excuse me, and his wife, Caitlin, they're from Denver. 
they um, ran an operation called Index Coin LLC, Kingdom Wealth Exchange LLC, and some other parties too that were connected to the sales of cryptocurrency. Now, this is a guy who uh, basically said that he had c created this INDX coin, and it was a cryptocurrency and a crypto-based currency that uh, you could actually use, and uh, you know, cyber, you know, money, and this is the way of the world, and let's get in on this as Christians. Now, it's interesting to see this because if you listen to go back in the archives of the national crawford roundtable podcast we actually have done a couple of programs on cryptocurrency how it works you know the data mining mining for the crypto dollars and the you know bitcoin and all that stuff and i know bob duco and uh, john rush heavily and involved in the interest of that and john really kind of put on a clinic for us as i recall as to what cryptocurrency does neil boron and i just kind of sit back and go we got that pastor vibe we don't really understand but when eli um, Regalado went online just this past fall. I take that back for a year ago, actually. Uh, he said, here's the deal. Um, he said the Lord spoke uh, to him in October of 2021. And so in August of 2022, he went online, told his online followers, last October, the Lord brought this cryptocurrency to me, this index uh, coin. Take this to my people for a wealth transfer, God told him, allegedly. Um, he has confirmed it at least 100 times since then. And then he continued, it's coming, people. Part of the making way for his people is to really train them up and teach them how finances work in the kingdom. Because many of you very soon are going to have more money than you ever uh, had in your life at, just by participating in cryptocurrency. Now, he started running the scam in 2022 and he ran it for a good couple of months eventually um then it was kind of shut down for a short period of time and then it kind of kicked back up again the sec security Ex exchange commission did a little investigation in their colorado division and they found out that between june 22 june 2022 and april 2023 index coin raised nearly three million dollars and over 300 individuals were recruited as investors from exclusively Christian communities. The pastor's online saying you need to get to cryptocurrency and what that meant, of course, he was talking about, about a big wealth transfer, but we heard about the returns on NCR. And Bob and John especially saying, you know, this is one of those deals where if you bought uh, Bitcoin at $100 a coin, you know, when it first came out, a lot of those coins were selling for $45,000 a coin or whatever. Now, I, I have to admit, I am naturally skeptical, as is my lovely wife. We've watched, uh, there was one uh, cryptocurrency special, I want to say it was Netflix or something like that, about a company that was scamming people. And these folks who would take, uh, you know, they would sell their house and take the proceeds, and instead of calling a guy like Dennis Wilson at Wilson Financial, 800-696-9970, if you sell a $1.5 to $2 million home in a place like California, and you've been in it for a while, so you've got some equity, and you want to reinvest that money, the first thing you need to do is call Dennis and say, how do I, before you sell the home, how do I avoid capital gains? What's the 1031 exchange? What can I do with this money that can make it tax-free or if not tax-deferred? And Dennis will tell you straight up. We were hanging out yesterday, as a matter of fact, and uh, he has to travel, so we were in his office just kind of talking and going through some rather somber things that are happening in, in our lives. If you listened to last Friday's broadcast, you heard uh, on my Good News Friday uh, 
program last week I mentioned that Dennis's daughter-in-law Tila Wilson uh, is now home with the Lord after a long battle with cancer breast cancer that eventually spread to her brain and now 36 years of age she is reunited uh, forever with her husband Brent who'd also died at the age of 36 three years ago and they're heading back to uh, Wyoming for the final funeral and it's just it's it's really sad to think about the people who get into um, you know these scams and these schemes without going to a guy like Dennis who says look I can tell you how to make a legitimate dollar I can tell you how to beat the government tax schemes legitimately God honoringly unfortunately Pastor Eli Regalado in Denver took the opposite route what if I get people to give me money, tell them they're investing in a Bitcoin or a, a cryptocurrency that I discovered, and then we get other people to invest in it as well? Well, they call that a multi-level uh, Ponzi scheme, basically, right? Where the top dogs who start this thing off go and recruit people, and they say, hey, why don't you invest $1,000? Or in this case, it may have been 10000 There were $3.2 million that people were bilked out of. There were about 300 individuals who were recruited as, quote-unquote, investors and what makes it even more insidious is these people were recruited from the church community now what's interesting about it is here's a, with the sec shut them down um, they operated from october 22nd of 2022 through april of 2023 by november of 2022 index coin and kingdom wealth exchange had been shut down now, when it was shut down by the federal government, Pastor Ragolato went online and said, look, everything's fine. Everything's cool. God is in control. The enemy's coming after us. I mean, here's the exact quote. He said, stay where you're at. Stay in index coins. Stay with where I'm telling you to go. I'm going to make a way, the Lord said to the crypto investors. That's according to Ragolato, who said he was a prophet. Just take the word as gospel truth and execute on that word and do not worry about how the money's going to happen. I really believe you're going to see a miracle in a very short time. Basically what they did is they engaged in the purchase of these crypto coins that Pastor Ragolato said he had discovered in doing their data mining. Sold the coins for $1.50 a piece. I mean, how could you lose with $1.50 a piece, right? Well, here's the deal. They had a, uh, an account, a company called Grace Led Marketing had the actual bank account, and every investor was told that for every $1.50 coin you bought, you were buying a coin that was worth 10 bucks. They were also told there were 30 million of these coins in circulation that they had discovered. Now, this is a part of the cryptocurrency thing that I don't get. And the reason I bring this up, we had Jeff Kinley on last hour talking about the book of Revelation. We are going to get into some funky business transactions in this in the world. You know, that whole mark of the beast thing is going to have a real component. The fact that we use cards everywhere, that now we can just tap, and that some people are getting the chip from their card actually put into their wrist. And it, it, we're, we're moving in that direction. But there are going to be scammers too. And this guy, talk about wolf in sheep's, sheep's clothing. He had his investors, if you will, buying these uh, crypto coins for $1.50 a piece, thinking that they were buying a $10 investment. 600% return. How cool is that? He told them there were 30 million of the coins in circulation, but they could buy them at a discount. The volume of coins in circulation meant, quite frankly, that if the valuation that he had given them were accurate, 
that they would have $300 million in cash to back the value of the cryptocurrency. But when federal investigators came and raided their properties and seized their bank accounts, guess how much money they found in the bank? They had a Venmo account that was tied with the bank account. They found 30 grand instead of $300 million. According to federal regulators, Pastor Ragolato and his wife had actually had no experience in cryptocurrency. Even though a third-party auditor's report allegedly described the couple's index coin code as unsafe, unsecure, and riddled with serious technical problems, they allegedly continued to promote the index coin as a low-risk, high-profit investment. In reality, it was illiquid, practically worthless. Investors lost millions of dollars. The pastor and his wife, they allege now, uh, spent a million three, one million three hundred thousand dollars on a Range Rover, jewelry, luxury handbags, cosmetic dentistry, boat rentals, home renovations, and they even had an au pair for one of their kids. Now, Range Rover, you could get a Range Rover relatively inexpensively, from what I understand, if you go bottom line. But ladies, I have learned something by watching my wife watch these women on TV. And that is, those handbags are not cheap. Okay? I mean, are not cheap. The Hermes bags and all that stuff, they're like ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. If these guys spent a million three on the good life, well... Uh, but here's the thing. As Christians, we have to be skeptical. We have to be judgmental in the so sense that we're critical thinkers. If a pastor goes online and says, I found these coins and you can buy them too, do your homework. Please do not be deceived. This man called himself a pastor. He was really a hustler and now mercifully will be brought to justice. Speaking of discernment and the end times, on the other side of this break, I want to get into something I mentioned before the break about how tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of a rather auspicious event in American history, and that is the Asbury Revival. Now, as we go to break, do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Seriously, I, that's a legit question. On the other side of this break, I'll tell you what I'm talking about and why a year ago at this time we were thinking, is this it? Is this the big revival we've been waiting for? And now a year later, it's like, Oh, yeah, I remember that thing. We'll talk about why you feel that way. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. For more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trusts. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain. So what is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate-backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out. So you can see it's definitely not a REIT or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account. And then while you're on the phone and ask about our accounts that are based even higher amounts for funds over 250,000. Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. And today, February 7th, 2024, we are one day away from the anniversary 
of something that we thought was going to be a huge spiritual movement and awakening here in the United States. Remember what happened? Asbury University in central Kentucky, there was a, um, a, a chapel service that took place. And I remember watching the video of it after it went down. I'll be honest with you. The guy who gave the talk, they're kind of a young adult pastor there, talked about himself a lot, very millennial Generation Z style. It was a pretty unremarkable sermon. And then after he left the podium stage area, he encouraged people to pray. And the whole idea was to look at other people uh, you know, differently, don't look to judge, but look to understand and to love and whatever. And so several of the students came forward and started to pray. The band was playing and they, they you know, were worshiping. And then something happened. Nobody left. The students all stayed. Now to put this in perspective, Asbury University is in Wilmore, Kentucky. The population of Wilmore, Kentucky is around 6,000. But what happened was the Asbury University and then Asbury Theological Seminary across the street, um, they began to see people coming. The students stayed. Word started to spread on social media. You should see what's going on at Asbury. People started to travel. My friend and colleague, Laura Harris-Smith, and her husband, Chris, went from their home in Nashville area to Asbury to see what all the commotion was about. Asbury Theological Seminary across the street, which is its own separate institution, opened their own chapel and auditorium and gymnasium to accommodate the crowds. At one point, the main road into Wilmore was closed because there were so many people trying to get to what was happening here. By the time this thing hit its zenith, there were between 50 and 70,000 people crowding into Wilmore, Kentucky, population 6,000, for this revival. One Asbury Seminary professor said that uh, when he went to the auditorium, he said there was a great sense of serenity. He said it was the type of thing where people were there and they were just hanging out. Um, he said, you know, in the same way that Jesus was healing people, like you talk about the uh, um, the, the the woman who, who had the issue of blood who touched the hem of Jesus' garment and was healed. Uh, this one professor said, I went, I hung out for about 90 minutes. I felt that peace. I felt that serenity. I felt renewed. And then I, I, I took off because other people were going. Um, not long after that revival, uh, Wesleyan Theological Society uh, was experiencing their own, basically the, the embers of this. And we started to see it pop up in other places, Malaysia, and Singapore. And I mean, the people were, were talking all over the place about this revival. And you started to see young people. Um, Cane Ridge, one of the places, part of the Second Great Awakening, which originally hosted by Presbyterian clergy, but then Methodists and Baptists and the Restoration Movement shown up, the Churches of Christ, Disciples of Christ. And the, the basically, there was all sorts of drama. But at Asbury, it was different. People were singing. They were praying. Testimonies were, were shared and, and treasured. It was student-led, but professors kept showing up to help them out. As a matter of fact, there were some older folks who wanted to come in and, and, and you know, they felt a, a movement of the Lord. And the faculty and staff at Asbury said, no, 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 let, this is student-led. Let's let the kids do it. Now, think about this. In an era, I was listening to a pastor on uh, another Christian radio station last night. And he was preaching and talking about what made Paul's uh, journeys, uh, his uh, apostolic evangelistic journeys, so special and so remarkable. He said, remember, Paul didn't have airplane. 
Paul didn't have electricity, didn't have iPads, didn't have laser light shows. He didn't have any gimmicks. He walked everywhere. And those four evangelistic journeys where he planted churches, were I mean, those, th- that teaching and those churches are still happening today. Asbury's revival, I think, touched a lot of people because as the students were leading the singing and the praying and the testimonies and people were giving and asking for forgiveness, it was really beautiful. But what was remarkable about it too is in an era when it seems like, oh, there's young people here, we need a rock band. We need a laser light show. Remember, was it Prestonwood Baptist Church in the Dallas area at Christmas time? Started flying in angels in their sanctuary during worship services. Now, the Crystal Cathedral here in Southern California used to do something similar, but that was at the Glory of Christmas presentation. It wasn't in Sunday morning worship. But Prestonwood really caught a lot of heat for that. Well, at the Asbury Revival, there was no giant screen. There was no choreography. There were no pyrotechnics. I mean... (laughs) One writer said, other than electricity, heat, and indoor plumbing, the technology for the Asbury Seminary is not much more advanced than at the Cane Ridge Revival 223 years ago. It's interesting because secular press started uh, looking at it, um, and the Wall Street Journal uh, offered a critique that seemed kind of out of place, knowing that this wasn't really emotionally driven. But here's the thing. When it's all said and done, here we are a year later, and quite frankly, if I had not come across an article in the Christian Post yesterday about the Asbury Revival, I wouldn't have remembered it. I mean, there are so many events that happen in the world today that used to be massively motivated. Like if I say July 20th, 1969, what am I talking about? Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, first men to ever walk on the moon, right? But if, if you say... Uh, December 7, 1941, everyone knows what you're talking about because we experienced that together. We heard about Pearl Harbor on the radio, saw it in the newspaper. The next day, the president gave an address. So actually, the most famous part of the Pearl Harbor attack happened on December 8, 1941. Otherwise, President Roosevelt couldn't say, yesterday, December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. Ah, what a great line. But the Asbury Revival, tomorrow it marks a year from when this revival just broke out at a Wednesday night chapel service in Asbury University and Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky, population 6,000, and brought people from all over the world to find out what the commotion was about. On the other side of this break, I want to take a look at what a revival should look like in biblical terms and why we are ripe for them, not only in a place like Asbury, but even in a smaller, more concise and compact space, a space that you may know all too well, or maybe it's one where you don't actually like to venture all that often. Where am I talking about? Bob Bennett fans, cue up the guitars. We'll talk about that next as the bottom line continues. One of the things I appreciate, and I know you do too, about preborn is the fact that they tell you the truth about where you are in pregnancy. You know, it, 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 it's amazing how the National Institute of Health and the CDC wants to classify pregnancy as a quote-unquote illness, so then they can prescribe quote-unquote treatment medication in the form of an abortion pill to end the abortion. Well, that's crazy. We know, you know and I know, that God creates each of us in the womb of our mothers. And he creates each of us uniquely for a purpose. And 85% of the women who go to preborn clinics and they don't hear the, the propaganda from the abortion industry that says you, your two choices are either abortion or misery, that there are three options. And the third one involves 
basically choosing life for the child and releasing that child for adoption. I want to thank a couple of people for their very generous donations to Preborn. Dean in National City made a $1,400 donation. Dave in Lake Forest, a $500 donation. Uh, and also Edward in Norfolk, Nebraska, who listens online with a 48 monthly dollar donation. Uh, go to kbrightradio.com. Click on the pre-born banner and make your best donation today. It's completely tax deductible. 100% of your donation goes to ultrasound technology. And we're saving lives and saving babies through pre-born. Click on kbrightradio.com. Hit the pre-born banner today. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. Just a couple minutes left if you want to call in and win something. Our main prizes, the Jeff Kinley book, the Michael Youssef books have been given away, but we still have other freebies, and I'm sure Crystal, Teresa, and Joel can take care of you. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. As a child who grew up in Southern California, I used to see those stories of the old revival hours and, you know, a family traveling the country and they'd get in the big tent or, you know, out there under the stars and mom played the piano and dad preached the gospel and the kids were the band and they had a revival meeting and they tried to energize the faithful and, and, and convince the unconvinced about the power of the gospel. But when it comes to revival, what does that mean? Does it mean that a pastor preaches a message and someone sings a song and everybody there who wasn't a Christian comes forward and quote unquote makes a decision for Christ. I heard a great definition of revival from a younger guy, not an old time pastor, who I, I really appreciated his wisdom when he shared this. He said, you know, a lot of people think of revival as the pastor comes to town, the, the Billy Graham, Greg Laurie guy shows up and kind of lights the town on fire. But actually, what revival does is it doesn't necessarily require a lot of emotion. For some people, it will. For others, it won't. But what it actually does more accurately is it causes people to make a decision about their relationship with the Lord. It causes them to come face to face. And again, all my Lutheran friends are saying, no, tell me you don't believe in decision theology. I don't. I honestly don't. I believe that the only way a person can truly be saved is if the Holy Spirit gives them the power of faith and with the power of faith receives the gift of the power of salvation. And then at the prompting of the Holy Spirit, confesses Jesus as Lord, meets him in the waters of baptism, meets his body of believers at the table of communion and worships at the altar in communion with other Christians. That's just a really brief Roger summary of what that means. So where does revival come into all this? In case you haven't noticed, the number of people who are irreligious in this culture is now a greater number than people who are religious. People who hold to faith in Christ in America actually number about 27% of the population. And then there are people who are Jewish or different religious persuasions. People who have no faith, either they're atheist, agnostic, or none of the above, hence the term the nuns, 28% of the population. So what does that tell you? It tells you, it tells me, that America is ripe for revival. A quarter of the population actually have, find themselves as professing uh, believers with a professing faith in Jesus Christ. The other 75% do not. Now that sounds rather demoralizing, doesn't it? Great revival in the land, though, may have already happened, and guess what? The end result may be of the great revival in America that 25% of the population of Americans are Christians and the other 75 are not. But before you become disheartened 
by those statistics, may I remind you of the parable of the seed and the soil? Where Jesus talks about the farmer who scatters the seed on four different types of soil. And the first soil is the roadway where it gets trampled. And the second one is the uh, area where there are rocks and things of that nature. And the seed takes root immediately, but then it gets choked out. The third one is where the soil is such that the birds will come and eat it. And uh, it doesn't really have a fighting chance because the rocks are so deep. But the fourth soil is the good soil and the crop that is harvested is either a hundredfold based on the seed or 60-fold or 30-fold. When in the parable of the seed and the soil or the seed and the sower, guess what the percentage is of people who actually have the seed of the word of God take root in their heart? It's one out of four. So maybe, just maybe, as Jeff Kinley was talking about the book of Revelation and the God-centered vision of what is going to happen, maybe, just maybe, rather than trying to stop trying to put ourselves in situations where we have to win all the elections, where we have to get pastors, you know, to be more politically active, let's pay attention to the parable of the seed and the sower. Jesus tells us that one out of every four seeds that is sown will actually find its way in the good soil. And the other seeds will either be eaten up by the birds, go in soils where it's too... Uh, shallow to grow or will get choked out by the weeds and worries and cares of this life. So maybe the Asbury revival did have its intended purpose. It got people to make a decision about where they stand with the Lord. And now that we see that one out of every four Americans has a true Christian faith, well, we continue to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but we harvest the fruit of the seeds that planted in good soil. That's good news. And that's the bottom line.